Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. My name is David. Thank you for coming here for uh, joining the city with me. So we can start. So our first step in meditation is using the technique called Anapanasati. We find a refuge. And one of the easiest refuge is the breath and sensation of the breath. Please feel free to choose whatever refuge that is easier for you. So if the breath is not uh, the easiest, then please choose your image uh, or anything that you find most useful. And then feeling the sensation every time you come back to this place of refuge. I'm going to use the breath and sensation of the breath please feel free to substitute to whatever make that's convenient for you. So feel into the breath and the sensation of the breath is either in the nostril, chest or belly. So in breath, sensation in the nostril, cool, might be cool, cooling, cooling air and out breath, maybe warmer air coming out of the nostril. So just notice the breath. If thoughts arise, just come back to the breath. Our mind can only do one thing at a time. If we keep busy with the breath, we fall in love with the breath. The breath, we will gravitate towards the breath. Or it gravitates towards you. Then there's less room for thoughts to come in.
the feeling to the breath, the body remembers this. The body remembers the sensation of the breath. So in the time of needs, when difficulties come, we can always fall back. We just place a breath here, the breath and the sensation. So our first step is Anapanasati, where we only use either the breath or the thoughts. And we concentrate on the breath, so no, there's no space for thoughts to come in. Now, we, once we get used to that, which is the easiest, the first step is to feel into the breath and the sensation. Now we can go into step two, which is a little bit harder is can we keep the breath and the sensation our refuge in the background and allow other sensations to arise and pass away in the foreground The breath, now our refuge is like the, back, the blackboard. Everything else, sensation, thoughts, are like the white chalk written on the blackboard. And we rest in the blackboard. And now things come and go just like the white chalk. While you remain rested in the refuge of the blackboard.
So the white chalk is like sensation in the body. For example, pain in your knee. They arise, they come and go. They are like visitor. Whereas the blackboard, the breath is like the host. Differentiate between the host and the visitor. Differentiate between the refuge and whatever sensation, thoughts, and feelings arise. So once you rest in the blackboard, your host, your breath, you can allow, you can accept things and allow them to come and go as the visitor. You don't attach to the visitor because you know that you're not the visitor, you're the host. Resting in the, your breath and the sensation of the breath. So continue to find love and rest in the host of your breath. So the problems are not in your thoughts, whether it be pleasant or unpleasant thoughts. The problem is in mistaking it as a host. Once you recognize it as a visitor, then it's okay. And the way to See your thoughts as the visitor is to have is to rest it in your refuge of the breath as the host.
So in step two, we use a form of the breath as a refuge so that we don't identify with the other forms besides the breath, which are the thoughts, sensation, feelings. So it's called dual awareness, because we have one form versus the other forms. You can either stay here, relax in the breath, or we can go to the next step, which is step number three, non-dual awareness, where we rest in the open space of awareness. We rest. This awareness is universal wholeness. It has two elements, open space, emptiness, and luminosity. Second element is the luminosity. It can be aware of whatever is arising, whatever context arising in this open space of consciousness. So that's this open space and allow whatever arise, thoughts, sensation, feeling as a context, as a cloud while you're resting in the sky of awareness, the open space. to make it easier to differentiate between awareness itself versus the object of awareness, to different, differentiate between the formless sky of awareness versus the form cloud of thoughts, sensation, and feeling. I'm going to use the bell meditation, the sound meditation, to make it easier to differentiate between the form and formless. Each sound, which is a form, has a beginning, staying for a while, and ending. Notice the boundary of the beginning and ending of each form, which is your thoughts, sensation, feeling, emotion, etc. So that's the nature of every form. It has a beginning and ending.
after the form has no existence before the form arises. Existence when the form is arising and non-existence when the form has gone. That's the nature of each form. Whereas awareness, the one who hears exists before the form because the hearing capacity, it can hear me talking during the form. Now you can hear the sound. And after the form, you can still hear the car, the birds, me talking. So the form has non-existent, existent, non-existence, whereas the formless awareness exists, existence and existence. It exists before the form, during the form, and after the form. So I'm playing three forms, three sounds of the bell that come and go. Where, whereas the formless awareness is one, which here is the same awareness, which here three different sounds. So can you use the change in forms, the change in sound as pointer to the unchanging awareness, to this unchanging capacity of hearing capacity? So I'm using the forms as pointer to formless. I'm using the changing as pointer to the unchanging. So this unchanging awareness is our refuge in step three. Our sense, our sixth sense cannot see the formless. So I'm just using the sounds of the bell as excuse, pointing to the formless awareness. And that's our refuge in this formless awareness. Continue to rest here. So this formless awareness is like infinite container of space where everything else, your thoughts, sensations, feelings are like the contents arising and passing away within this infinite space. So we shine light at the content to recognize the open space, the holding the contents yet more than the content.
So the sounds of the bells are the visitors because they are formed. And the one who hears the sound is the host. Rest in this hostness in the host, the one who hears, the one who is aware. To make it easier to understand, you can use the metaphor like in your room right now. You have the furnitures, the sofa, chairs, table, shaku, shakutan, <clears throat> etc. Those are the objects of awareness, the form, the contents. And you have the space of the room, which holds half the furniture, yet more than the furniture. So can we be aware of the furniture and use that as pointer to the space of the whole room. Rest in the refuge of the space of the whole room. From this space, you can embrace whatever furniture, whether it has termite eating the furniture, eating this, the wood of the sofa, which is like your depressing your negative emotion, your, your fear, your frustration. Yet the space of the room is not affected by the furniture that was eaten by termites. So similarly, your awareness is not affected by your depression, your frustration, your fear. You can embrace them and know that the one who embraced include those emotions yet more than those emotions. And that's your refuge, the open space of awareness. So this open space become one with the whole, with the cosmos. Things in the universe may go wrong, just like your negative emotion that come, but the universe itself include all the rights and wrongs, but not affected by them. Or the sky can include the clouds, the black, the white clouds, but not affected by the nature of the clouds. Rest in this wholeness.
So in our meditation, we use three steps as our refuge in meeting everyday life. So step one is to use the breath as a refuge, not including the others. So we just focus only on the breath, concentrate only on the breath. Or step two is using the breath in the background as your refuge, as the host, while allowing everything else to arrive in the foreground as the visitor. In step three, we rest in this wholeness, cosmic wholeness. And the way to rest in this wholeness is to be aware of whatever contents arise and know yourself as the wholeness, the open space within, which include the parts, yet more than the parts. So please feel free to choose whatever step that is most Easy, easier for you. The key is your freedom in everyday life. And you find freedom in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of changing, change, in the midst of things that may not go as expected. So your freedom is the key. And the way to get there is find a refuge where there is be the breath, sensation, or the formless wholeness, the awareness itself. And continue to rest in this refuge 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In about a minute, we'll transition into a discussion period. But in the discussion, can you still apply the same while we change from our sitting to our everyday life? Can you still rest in awareness as the host and see your thoughts arising as the visitor? So now, not only you pay attention to the other people, can you see yourself as well. If you see both, you become more than yourself. You can step in, play the role of yourself, and step out, become the watcher, the witness. Thank you very much for sharing the sitting practice with me. Really appreciate your coming. And everybody here on Zoom, can you all hear me okay? Yes, thank you. So um, I would like to share the 
today's theme is to incorporate the Four Noble Truths into our everyday lives. And then I would love to hear your experience on either this issue and its application or anything else that is happening in your life. To me, everything help each other because we all share the human experience. The outer form may be different. The experience may be different, but the inner form in the way it affects your body, the sensation is the same. And so whatever you share, not only help you, but help everybody else as well. So thank you. So what is the four noble truths? They are just like uh, the law of nature and how we can learn to adapt and live with the law of nature instead of going against the law of nature. So what is the law of nature that affects us? The inner law. We have the outer law and the inner law. So here we talk more about the inner law of nature. So the first noble truth talked about dissatisfactoriness. Things do not go, uh, do not satisfy us as we expected. For example, uh, old age, sickness, death, changes in your health, your financial, your relationship, they, they change beyond your expectation. And sometimes that's not satisfactory because you put hope, you put expectation, you put your happiness in that. You put your refuge in that. So change is dissatisfactory because number one is impermanent due to change. And number two is non-self. You cannot control it. It arises due to certain conditions. And when those conditions are gone, it dissolves. So it's arise and dissolve based on condition, not based on what we want. So that's the first law, uh, first uh, truth, which is based on the law, the law of impermanence and the law of non-self. So that's just the law of nature. So this, that's the first law is the satisfactoriness, which going to the two laws of nature, impermanence and non-self. So the second noble truth is desire. The cause of, cause of satis, dissatisfaction is desire. What is desire? Desire is to, we want to make everything permanent. Right? We work so hard for it. We want it to be permanent. We want uh, to have good health, good relationship, good financial condition, good, and they don't change. Mm -hmm. So our desire to make things permanent and uh, our desire to be in control, to have a self. We want health and we want to control the day we die. <laughs> I'm not ready to die yet. I'm going to wait till I'm 100 years old. We want to control it. 
we want to do according to our uh, satisfaction. Yeah, I built so much. Why, why, why I have to leave this earth so early? Um, so that's our desire. Why is it cost suffering? Because we're trying to change the whole to fit with the part. Mm -hmm. We're trying to change the law of nature to make it fit with our expectation. And that costs suffering. So the third law of noble truth, third noble truth is uh, we can end suffering by dropping the desire. Mm -hmm. So the technique is, so the second law is we, we're trying to change the whole to make it fit with the part and we're trying to do the impossible. So the way, the third noble truth is we change the part to make it fit with the whole. <laughs> now that's possible. Yeah. So we, we're not, uh, we have to adapt ourselves to the law of nature instead, instead of trying to manipulate the law of nature to make it fit with us. So the second noble truth is manipulate the, the law of nature to make it fit with us. The third is adapt ourselves to make it fit with the law of nature. Um, and how do we uh, how do we do that? So the fourth noble truth is so first. Let me go to the before I go to the fourth noble truth. Is the third noble truth is uh, so we we want to avoid suffering. Yeah. Uh, so. So just reduce the pain to avoid suffering because the more pain you have, the more suffering you have. Mm -hmm. But sometimes life is beyond our control. We can't reduce the pain because um, you get old, you get sickness and death and your loved ones, same thing. And sometimes your financial, your relationship, they change beyond your control. So we and pain will arise due to those changes. So we can't reduce the pain. And if we can't reduce the pain, suffering, we can't reduce suffering. So how, how do we solve this problem? So we go into meditation and in our meditation, we realize that pain is not the only element that causes suffering. Actually, uh, in order to have suffering, we need pain multiplied by resistance is equal to suffering. Mm -hmm. So we can either reduce the pain or reduce the resistance to the pain. So, uh, but sometimes everybody can see that. Yes. Okay. Uh, so. Sometimes we can't reduce the pain, but we can reduce the resistance. And if the resistance goes down to zero, then no matter how big the pain is, suffering goes down to zero. So our goal is not to reduce pain. Pain is inevitable. Our goal is to reduce the suffering because that is the barrier to our happiness in life. We can be happy in the midst of the pain, but we can't be happy in the midst of suffering. So how do we reduce resistance 
throughout how do we accept things how do we accept pain how do we live in this life in the midst of the pleasure pain in the midst of the, uh, the changes in the midst of the, uh, the dissatisfaction how do we do that so the fourth noble truth is uh, the application the technique to put it into our daily life to uh, so that we do not resist the pain and the fourth noble truth has the uh, the right view right resolve right speech right conduct right livelihood right effort right mindfulness right samadhi but that's too long <laughs> <laughs> we can repeat that the whole, whole life uh, and then we don't even remember how do we <laughs> how do how can we metabolize this and make it our own because it only works the uh, right answer by Buddha is not going to help us. It has to be our right answer, our own answer, mm. not somebody else's wisdom. Because it's like when you eat the mango, if the mango food is still in your mouth, it's not going to help you. But once you chew it, you digest it, it becomes part of your blood, your bone, your bone marrow, it becomes part of you. When it metabolizes, then it will help you. So it has to become your own. So all the right answer that you get, we get in the book, it sounds good, but it's not going to help us until we become our own answer. Mm. So how do we make it to become our own answer? Um, how do we find the right talk, right speech, right thing? So when in meditation, we learn that the place that we can find uh, the place that we can find right thoughts, right action, right speech, everything is to awaken our innate wisdom. And from the vantage point of our innate wisdom, we can find the right thought, the right action, right speech. So we're not trying to learn the right, get the right answer, but we learn the technique to awaken that innate wisdom and from the vantage point we can find the right answer because if you remember the right answer 20 years ago maybe it's the wrong answer today because life changed life is dynamic so the answer has to reflect if the answer is static it's not going to meet with the mm. dynamism of life so we have to, uh, to adapt the answer to make it fit with life and the way to adapt it is not to memorize what the right answer, but to awaken our innate wisdom. And from the vantage point of our innate wisdom, we can see the right answer in a dynamic way that make it fit with the situation, with the whole thing. So how do we do that? So um, what we get stuck is our conditioning. And because of our conditioning, it's like uh, you, I wear tinted glass. If I wear a dark, uh, uh, a gray glass, everything becomes gray to me. So that's our conditioning. So to, await, to step out of this conditioning, to take off the glasses, to 
now I can see things just the way it is without the gray tint on the glass. So to take out the glass, meaning to step out of your conditioning is the way of wisdom, the innate wisdom. It's the way to see things the way they are and to see our storyline, our add-on. So for example, I have a pain in the right knee and I say, it's my pain. So the, the resistance is, the non-acceptance is, first I would say, I identify as, it's my pain and I hate this pain and that caused suffering. <laughs> but if, if I drop this and just the right pain in the right knee, there's no suffering. Just the, right, just the pain in the right knee, that's it. So how do I drop this? So the way to drop it is first to see how the problem is. Just like the, uh, the, uh, I tied this one is to untie it. I have to learn how to, how I tie it in the first place. So I and from the way I tie it, then I, I just go the reverse direction, I untie it. So the, uh, so the re resistance first, how does the resistance form? First you identify my resistance my pain and then from my pain then i say i hate the pain i wish why me why is my pain why the relationship doesn't work why the job why i get laid off from the job versus the other people or why do i get health and cancer or whatever versus the other why me uh, so so first how do we find that innate wisdom so that we don't resist so we realize with, uh, in our meditation all every other thoughts and forms are like the cloud and if we can rest in the sky then we have the inner wisdom inner wisdom to use the cloud as an instrument or to not use it. We have this total freedom too. So we, if we forget the sky of awareness, then we become controlled by the cloud. So if there's pain, the uh, in the, the cloud, the, the pain is like the cloud because it has a boundary, a beginning and ending, just like the cloud. So if it's my pain, then I forget the sky. Then the then the cloud become the host. It become me. But in the midst of the pain, if I rest in the sky as the host, then the cloud becomes the visitor. If the cloud becomes the visitor, I don't feed energy into the cloud. So it's like I turn on and turn off the, uh, I find the control switch. I can turn on the energy to the pain or I can turn it off. The, the pain is still the same, but I can turn off the energy of the uh, resistance, then I turn off the suffering, even though the pain is the same. So the way to turn on and off energy is to understand that energy flows where we place our self-identity. I, me, my. If anything that belongs to me is my, I, then we feed energy into it. But if anything that belongs to he, she, it, we don't feed energy into it. Now my problem is he, she, it. 
So anything that we see as a third person, we cut off the energy supply. This is just a law of nature. Anything that we see as the first person, I mean mine, we feed energy into it. And we do this subconsciously all the time without knowing it. And because we don't know it, it binds us. Yes, it's true. I forgot. But if we don't know how to, uh, the, uh, to tie, how the string is tied, it keeps binding us. Now we need to know how the string is tied. So, uh, so that's the law. So we need to know the law of nature, which is anything that has I, me, mind, we feed energy into it. Anything that has um, T-shirt it, we take away energy. So how do we do that? So we, uh, whatever we see as a form, we put it in a third person. So example, knee pain, just knee pain. Mm -hmm. Or I can say David's knee pain, but I'm watching David. So then I'm not David. If I'm watching David, then I'm not David. So, so we rest in the watcher, which is him. So we feed energy into the watcher, the sky, as the first person, and automatically just become the third person. Then we drop the energy supply to this one. And from this one, from the sky, we have the innate wisdom to see the cloud. Just like when you have problem, if you, if somebody else problem, you become the expert because you 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 out here. You you give good advice, very good advice. You become numero uno. <laughs> but if it's exactly the same problem would occur to you, then you don't know what to do because you're in here. It's my problem. Whereas if somebody else problem, it's no longer you become that problem become the third person. But if your problem, it becomes the first person. Mm. So now we, when it's become our problem, we treat it in the same way as the other person. And the way to treat it is to rest in this sky of awareness. Then to rest, if this sky of awareness as the first person, then automatically your pain, your depression become the third person. And automatically, Energy is cut off because it's a third person. So it's a shift from the first person to the third person. But the, the, but the only way to shift is you got to find something bigger than that. Mm -hmm. You have to experience something bigger. You have to tap into the universal wholeness and make that your refuge. And, and if you put the first person, I be mind, into the universal wholeness, then your problem become the third person. Now it's solvable. Mm -hmm. Because it's smaller than you. If it's a third, the cloud is only 5% of the whole sky of this big, of this big person. So if you rest in this one, then your problem is only 5% because the cloud only occupies 5% of the space. But if you forget this one, then the cloud become 100% if you only see the cloud. So can so the the essence is use the cloud as a pointer to the sky, use the form as a pointer to the formless awareness, and that's what I did. I used the sound of the bell as a pointer to that which hear the sound, because the one who hear the sound 
is bigger than the sound. There are three sounds of the bell, but the one who hears the three sounds is included, is bigger than the three sounds. It's, in, it's bigger. So how do we step out here into the wholeness? And you have been practicing it, which is we send loving kindness to whatever cloud. Mm -hmm. The one, the cloud, for example, the knee pain become the object of love. And the one who love, which has a beginning and ending, but the one who love exists before, during, and after. Before, during, and after. So loving kindness help us to step out. Mm -hmm. And from, so when you, whatever you love, you become more than the object of love. For example, here, the picture of, from the Tibetan Buddha, the big Buddha embraced the small Buddha. Yeah. So when you're willing to love something, you become bigger than that. You become the mom, the dad, the parental figure, they embrace that. And from the inner wisdom of something bigger, from the wholeness, from the mom, from the parents, now you can guide this little child. Sometimes this little child become depressed, become frustrated, fearful, angry. You can guide it. But if you forget the wholeness, the one who embraced, the one who loved, then you become this little child. Then mm -hmm. you have problem. Because now whatever... Uh, Problem this little child, it tells you what to do. But if you're the mom, the parental figure, now you guide it, you tell it what to do, you guide it because you're from a place of wisdom. So the universal wholeness also is a place of wisdom because it can see things from the outside. Just like you're helping your friend solve a problem, you can see it better because you're from the outside looking in. So two techniques to step out. The first technique is loving kindness. Second technique is awareness. Mm -hmm. Awareness, the object of awareness has a form, beginning and ending. Whatever has a form, always confined within the boundary of beginning and ending. But the awareness itself, it includes a form yet more than, because the one who is aware is always before, during, and after. If I'm aware of the Jafu and I'm aware of the Jabutan, I'm aware of the chair, I'm aware of the rug, then I'm more than that. Because I already exist before somebody brought the Jafu in here, before somebody brought the Jabutan. And I'm still exist when somebody already put them away. I'm still here. Mm -hmm. So the way to step out is either use loving kindness or use awareness to step out here but but here it takes a while to practice because formless our sixth sense can't grasp it we know it exists but our sixth sense can't grasp it because our sixth sense are form and form can only see another form so the way to get there is to embrace to, to love it and embrace it and be and rest in the one who's embraced so just like this one earlier, imagine the parental figure is the formless and the little child is the form. So we embrace the form to rest in the formless wholeness. 
and from this wholeness, then automatically, automatically, you will reach the eight noble uh, path, right view, right resolve, right speech, right conduct, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right samadhi. And you do it from the, the heart, not from the head. If you memorize all this, then it's from the head. And the head always include your interpretation because your interpretation is part of your thought. For example, you tell yourself, from your head, you tell yourself not to be angry. So you, but you go home, your boss say something, but you can't say it back. You hate it, and then you go home, you yell at the kid, you kick the dog, and then you <laughs> say, but I need it. Otherwise, they misbehave. So your mind always rationalize. So even if you want the right thought, but from, the, from your mind, which is the cloud, it, you don't allow an unskillful thought to go into the front door. It still go in the back door. So because it rationalized. So if you're in the class, then you get stuck. You even though you want constant, you want the skillful thought, the right thought, mm -hmm. because you still get stuck in the loop of thoughts. But if you step out here, then you see yourself. So rationalization still arises, but now you can see that instead of you here, you can't see your rationalization. But here you can see it. And from because you can see it, now you can say, ah, that's just the mind rational life. I don't need to yell at the kid. You and just don't know how to control my anger. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to kick it at all. <laughs> <laughs> because you see your rationalization, but you can only see it if you're out here. So that's the practice. Mm -hmm. And the way to step out here is through loving kindness or awareness. Mm -hmm. And so you love towards your bad behavior so that you can step out of your bad behavior. So you're un it's not like you're only love towards your good behavior and, and hate the bad behavior. You accept both. Mm -hmm. But in acceptance, you become out here and from the vantage point of out here, now you don't have to follow your bad behavior. So you mm -hmm. accept not to condone it. You accept to become bigger than that. You accept the child crying and yelling, not to condone the child yelling, but to awaken your parental figure within. From the vantage point, from the wisdom, the inner wisdom of the parental figure, now you can guide the child. Mm -hmm. uh, bad behavior. So we embrace not to condone, but embrace to become better. And from the, which is our innate wisdom, our wholeness, cosmic, to merge with the cosmic wholeness. And from this wholeness, now we can guide the part. We can guide and give good guidance to the part and mm -hmm. lead the part in the same way as a good parent lead the child. The child's not bad, so don't. Mm -hmm. Push away the child, even though it may have bad action, it just needs a parental figure to guide it. So shift your refuge from the child to the parent. Now the child becomes a very beautiful human being. <laughs> In the same way as all your thoughts, it becomes a beautiful instrument. 
if you are the parent guiding your thoughts. But if you think you are your thought, then they become a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so don't throw away your thought, but shift your resting place from the cloud to the sky. Now the thought will become a beautiful instrument, mm -hmm. even a negative thought, because once you're out here, automatically you transform the negative thought into a positive. It automatically transforms because you, you guide it from that inner wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you for allowing me to share the practice with you. <laughs> I would love to hear your take on it. Thank you. Please put, raise your hand if you want to share something. Oh, I, I just want to refer um, this talk to a question from last uh, last time, last month, is a chronic pain on the shoulder. So I we put it in the practice is, um, can you see the chronic pain as a third person? Because if you can see the chronic pain as a third person, then it will go away. But the, to see it as a third person, you got to rest in that which embrace the chronic pain. As if you rest just as a first person, automatically just become the third person, the pain become the first person. So rest in that because if you, uh, because if you don't rest in here, then just become the first person, then you keep feeding energy into the chronic pain. Then you add on, you, there is my pain and I don't like the pain. So it's an add on, but you got to, so you got to see the sensation of the pain and you see the, uh, and you have to embrace the pain with loving kindness. And then the one who love is the first person, then the pain becomes the third person. Mm -hmm. So the third person is only relatively real, whereas the first person is absolute real. So our energy flow to the absolute real and our energy no longer flow to the relative real, to the third person. Thank you. <laughs> Anybody? We all share? Yes, please. So when I <clears throat> was listening, I was reminded of something that I kind of remind myself every day is the Buddhist story of the first and second arrow, yes. right? Yes. So the first arrow, like we're talking about, is it's inevitable. Yes. The things are going to be satisfactory but how i respond to them is what causes my suffering yes right so yes. um i know i have to deal with this almost every day with things that come up as you know a caregiver that are frustrating and i can see myself like spiraling right mm -hmm. so something happens and i'm just like oh, i'm so mad this sucks this isn't fair why me i don't want to do this anymore and i can just go there yes. or i can say yeah this sucks it's not fair, um, but, you know, look at this great thing that we just did together that was marvelous, you yeah. know, and try to not just change the focus, but just acknowledge, first of all, that, yeah, my shoulder does hurt or what he did did suck or whatever, mm -hmm. and it's not a good situation, but then to just acknowledge that, like you said, the awareness, and then bring the loving kindness in to myself and to him. Or mm -hmm. to whatever the situation might be mm -hmm. so yeah i love the teaching so 
very timely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Beautifully uh, summarized what I said. So what he said, the pain is the first arrow and our resistance is the second arrow. So our practice is to embrace the first arrow and then embrace the second arrow. So you get to see that. So that's why we focus on the sensation. Remember when our exercise at the beginning, we focus on our sensation because sensation is uh, what we react to the sensation. In pleasant, we cling. Unpleasant, we push away. So she could see that uh, the clinging and the pushing away. And then from the vantage point of your inner wisdom, now you can just allow them to come and go, but not attach them. Just see them as a visitor. And you're not the visitor, you're the host. So then you don't attach to that uh, thoughts. Yeah. Thank you. That's very beautiful. And uh, I hardly do it 100%. Trust me. Oh, and <laughs> that's, that's why we call it practice, right? Yes, that's why we, because <laughs> I remind myself <laughs> we change from an old habit to a new habit. But what is a habit? It's something repeated 100,000 of times. <laughs> yes. Because if we understand it from the head, it's not what we it's not going to change it we have to understand it because the head is only in at the conscious mind we have to understand it at the subconscious mind because the reactivity occur at the subconscious mm -hmm. mind but the subconscious mind only arise the new subconscious mind the new habit only arise through repetition yeah please uh, that um equation is good and um I'm thinking about how I metabolize the teachings and I think that I use reflection sometimes I, I could see myself like taking that equation and thinking about how like resistance shows up like what's an example of the resistance in my life you know what's an example of the pain what's an example of the resistance and and that might help me see it beautiful yes mm -hmm. And the way to practice is to see in your everyday life, you, you put it to practice. It's just like you're lifting weight. You got to lift 50 pounds every day. And then when uh, something come up in your life, a depression, a fear, it's like 200 pounds. Then 50 pounds, you learn, make it easier to transition to 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. 50 to 100, 100 to 200. So feel it. When you walk in, feel the sensation, and then feel the reactivity uh, to the sensation, the second L, uh, uh, where when you're walking, when you're driving, when somebody cut you off a little bit, just feel the sensation, the tightness in your chest a little bit, and the pushing away of the tightness. Mm -hmm. Or even while you're driving so nice, and then uh, the light turn yellow, red, and you want to go, uh, you know, just see your preference mm -hmm. arise. Yeah. yeah. So in everyday life, it provides those, uh, they become a beautiful uh, excuse to practice. Yeah. But don't miss those small things because you got to lift the 50 pounds every day. Mm -hmm. But the technique of lifting is the same, whether you lift 50 or 200, the technique is the same. Just the weight difference is different. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, please. Oh, thank you so much for for your discussion. Thank you. Um, so for me, um, you know, I can just share a recent experience. 
um, with the relationship that I'm in, mm -hmm. um, where my partner, he um, was telling me that he wanted to have some space. And so my my prior self mm -hmm. um, would react with a lot of anger um, and identify with it and unintentionally keep pushing the person away because mm -hmm. I'm resting in that, mm -hmm. that anger, that, mm -hmm. um, that sadness. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, um, I read this book, The Untethered Soul, and there's a chapter on contemplating death. And that was very helpful for me to just kind of see the bigger picture. And so when this partner that I'm, I have right now, when he told me that he wanted to have some space, my my initial reaction was to feel angry and identify with that anger. Um, but then I realized that bigger picture is to just uh, accept and and wish him well mm -hmm. and send him some love and mm -hmm. and thank him, you know, for the time that we did have together. Mm -hmm. And so that became kind of my my focus, you know, and mm -hmm. embracing the um, the fact that he wants some space. Mm -hmm. And so at times I would feel sad or I would feel angry, um, but then I would revert back to the bigger picture mm -hmm. to just you know that's how life is. Mm -hmm. There are beginnings. There are you know, where we're in the middle of things and then there are endings and just be grateful for all of that. Mm -hmm. And without me grasping, without mm -hmm. any desire, we ended up still having conversations and he came back and we're in this relationship together. Mm -hmm. But it it was, it didn't come from any attachment in my part, mm -hmm. any grasping or any desire. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm grateful, yeah. you know, just for how it happened. Whether mm -hmm. I still want to keep him, I see the bigger picture that inevitably, you know, there is an ending. Mm -hmm. But I'm still grateful mm -hmm. for what it is right now. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. So you're like the left hand; he's like the right hand. At first, you you want him. It's our human nature that to make it the right hand that will fit with the left hand. You want to expect him to act and live the way that fit with your expectation. But with practice, you discover you through loving kindness and awareness, you embrace both the left hand and the right hand. And you discover, wait, there's something bigger than the left hand and right hand. There's the body that include both the left hand and the right hand. But you can only discover the body if you use loving kindness and awareness, yeah. because you got to find something bigger than the left hand or right hand. And so from this vantage point of the whole body, now it guides you, okay, uh, the right thing. It, give, it has the inner wisdom to guide you the right action, right speech, right thought, right everything, but only from the vantage point of the whole. But if you identify with a part because the part always has conditioning that go along with it. It's inherent in the part. Mm -hmm. So you want to change him to make it fit with the part, with your part. And it's human nature when you're trying to change somebody, 
they act uh, the opposite way. <laughs> but if you give that person space and you accept, it, it, it may go wrong, it, it may dissolve, and that person like gravitates towards you. It has the love opposite effect. Yeah. Because now it's like you're raising yourself and he wants to find somebody that he wants to emulate because he finds some positive part in you, which awakened the positive part in him, mm -hmm. then he wants to chase after you. <laughs> but if you're trying to change him, force him, then it's his free, you infringe upon his freedom, then he goes the opposite way. Mm -hmm. But so, but only the, the source can see that. From the part, you can't see it. So this, you get to shift from the part to the whole, from to the source. But the way to shift is to first send loving kindness to both left hand and right hand, and send awareness to both. And that awakens the source. And from the source, now you, it gives you the wisdom to know what to act. And then he, who knows, life change. It may stay, it may go, but only the source can accept it. Mm. The, the parts cannot accept because the part goes with its own conditioning. So let the source become your refuge. And from this inner wisdom, guide the part mm. in this relation to other. But you can guide it only if you can see both the left hand and the right hand. Normally, we can't guide it because we identify with left hand, we can only see the right hand. But now, see both the left hand and the right hand at the same time. See both him and yourself at the same time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hi. Um, well, first of all, thank you for the talk today. Um, you know, it, it did leave me with a question about why, when it comes to physical pain, you read earlier about a shoulder issue. Why, when it comes to physical pain, does resistance drag that pain into suffering? Um, I, I just don't see why the pain, physical pain, isn't suffering on its own. Because I, I know it can feel like that. Um, or people that have cancer or, you know, severe joint issues. So I guess that that's my question. Mm. So your question is pain is, and suffering go together, mm -hmm. right? And when it comes to physical pain, that's really what I'm talking about. Um, have you had some pain in your body before? You know, I fortunately am pretty healthy, but I have a friend that has some severe back issues. And when I mentioned just some of these concepts to her, she's like, I would try anything to make my pain go away. But a lot of things that I've tried, um, they don't help. Just like, you know, again, she was talking about meditation and things like that. From our own experience, because only when we feel it, we understand it, we, uh, we embrace it, we find the inner wisdom in ourselves, then we can pass it on to others. But first feel it in ourselves, 
when you play sport, you know, when since you were kids until now, or when everything, was there a time period when you had pain in your body? Just remember the experience. Oh, yes. And, and I have two children. So, yes, <laughs> they cause me actual physical pain, too. <laughs> but just childbirth. Right. I mean, I could think of lots of things. <laughs> childbirth. Okay. Um, was that the most memorable pain? What's the most memorable pain to you, childbirth? Does it have a beginning and ending? Yes, it does. Find within the boundary of space, beginning and ending. Yes. So yes. Before the before you gave the childbirth, were you in pain? Were, before before the childbirth, uh, were you in pain? Were you in pain? I'm sorry. Were you okay at that time? Yes, I was okay. And then after the childbirth, were you okay? <laughs> Theoretically, yes. <laughs> yes, I was. That pain was gone. <laughs> were you the same person who, before the childbirth, during and after the childbirth, are you still the same person or are you a different person? Is your awareness still the same? Right. There's a something there that transcends that yes beautiful can you taste that that which transcend the pain of childbirth can you taste that it's formless so it's very hard to taste right but but you have experienced it yourself but you can't understand it's hard to understand because it's formless uh -huh. <laughs> uh, but you could sense it because it happened to you so can can you rest in that which is before the pain during, but it's hard to see the during, but it actually mm -hmm. occurred in that which after the pain. So that unchanging awareness is your refuge. And from that vantage point of the unchanging awareness, then you can find, you can still see the pain, but without the suffering of the pain. But you got to feel into that unchanging awareness, which occurred before the pain, during, and after. So that's, so your difficulty or your pain the forms are contained within two two elements. The first is they are uh, they are confined within the elements of time. So we talked about the time, and they also confined within the elements of space. But your awareness is beyond both time and space. So let's talk. So we already talked about time. Now talk about space. When uh, you have pain, where is it localized? Uh, where do you feel it in the belly and uh, uh, do you feel it in your hands no in your feet no yeah so you if you shift your resting place and rest in the whole body and we call it uh, body scan from feet to head head to feet then you see that the pain is part of you but not whole, the whole of you mm -hmm. maybe it's 20 percent of you but if you Forget in the midst of the pain, you forget and you forget the whole body. And you said, pain is 100% of my body. Now it controls you. Yeah. So in the midst of the pain, in the foreground, can you rest in the whole body, the body scan, feet to head, head to feet in the background? And from that vantage point, now you can see pain is only 20%, 30% of your body. And from that vantage point, now 
you can work with it because it's only 30%. But because you it's in you, you're bigger than it. You're including it, but you're more than it. But if you forget the body scan, feet to head, head to feet, then you're in it. Now become 100%. So it's a shift from pain as you're in the pain versus the pain is in you. If you're in the pain, then the pain control you. But if it's in you, then it become a beautiful instrument mm. because you're guiding it. So just remember, every form is confined within the limitation of time and space. But the awareness is that which beyond the time and space. And from that vantage point of beyondness, now you can guide the pain. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, um, thanks for, uh, I just, I came in towards the end. I have, you know, in another part of California and with family and I just wanted to say I came in, I feel like at a very fortuitous time. I am in this situation right now where I have a lot of open time and I am meditating you know, during some of that open time, trying to really um, get back, you know, get more into longer sits. I've been working in awareness, you know, on a daily basis, but um, not really taking, not really feeling like I had the time to sit for any length for a while. I do now. And I wanted to ask you for some, say, if I wanted to, I wanted to, meditate on one of the heavenly abodes if i wanted to uh, um, meditate on right speech or right action or something like that what are some of the things that if if you're going to do that you would want to include in that process i mean or how would you um how, how would you go about that please uh, you can go um we're talking about step two now which is a mantra. You can use the mantra uh, of the right speech, right, uh, right thoughts, right intention. You can use that as a mantra and rest in the background because we, the human mind is like a garden. We plant the right speech. It's like we plant a rose bush. Mm. And the nutrient of the garden going to the rose bush. If the nutrient go in there, then there's less weed will grow around because all the nutrient go to the rose bush. But if we don't plant the rose bush, we leave the land empty with the rain and everything. Now all the weed will grow up faster than normal because all the nutrient will grow to the weed. Uh, so if you plant something positive, there's less space and less nutrient for the negative to arrive. So mm -hmm. And please choose whatever mantra that fits you. And then you can experience if one doesn't work, do it again and again and again, uh, change it to a different one. Um, but the key is feel into the sensation because the body remember, mm -hmm. if you have a mantra with just a thought, the mind will forget. Sometimes I forget what I ate last week. <laughs> but I still, but my body, my body remember 
I rode a bicycle 40 years ago and I haven't ridden, ridden it. And now I start riding. I can still ride a bicycle. We mm -hmm. all do. Same thing with swimming. We haven't uh, jumped into the water for the last 30 years and we can still swim because the body remembers, but the mind will forget. So shift whatever mantra you use, rest, feel the sensation of the body. And from the sensation, it keeps reminding you mm -hmm. and feel a love for that sensation. Thank you. I know we don't have much time, but I just like to say thank you for your talk. Your talks are always very clear and, and uh, understandable. Um, when talking about the difference between pain and suffering, it reminded me of an experience that I had where I burned my hand very badly. And immediately the thoughts began, oh, why did this happen? How stupid, um, you know, is my skin going to slough off? Will I need surgery? The worry began. The, the, uh, and then it, at some point, I let those thoughts go and just notice the sensations coming from my hand. And, you know, pain can be this, this huge block, this amorphous thing, or it can be a sensation. You know, it's prickling, it's hot, it's moving, it's changing. It's not one thing. It's constantly different. And so by having the pain in me and not, you know, being consumed by the pain, as David said, it became a smaller part of my total awareness and the suffering stopped. There was still sensation, but it wasn't suffering. Uh, and, you know, I got an ice pack, I put ice in it, I put water in it, and I put it on my hand and the blistering went away, um, which was, you know, pretty amazing. Um, and then I also wanted to talk about, uh, you mentioned form can only see form, not formlessness. And uh, um, we were, there was a book that uh, Casey had mentioned the other day called No Self, No Problem. And he was talking about the Buddha nature being the space between thoughts. And, you know, the fact that you can't experience that formlessness. And I was thinking about your sound meditation. You know, you, you, you hit the bell, there's sound, then the sound's gone, then you hit the bell, there's sound, then the sound's gone. But we're not aware of our hearing ability. Uh, we can see this object of sound arise and pass away, arise and pass away. And it's only in retrospect that we can realize that we had that, that hearing capacity, that we had mind. Or you can be in a pitch black room and there's no light. You don't know if you have sight or not until you flick on the light switch. And then in retrospect, you realize, hey, I could see all along. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's mind can't grasp mind. Awareness, we can't grasp this formless awareness. But uh, in the transition and in, in retrospect, we can realize uh, that is, as Zen Master Hung Po talked about, there's this one mind, or the void, or the Dhammakaya, or, or Zen, Zen Master Sien Song talks about uh, um, clear mind, or before thinking mind. All of these are pointing to pure awareness. Um, and the more we can have an experience with awareness, the more we can see objects coming and going and not get lost and suffering. Thank you so much. Thank you. One out. Uh, beautiful things. 
mm. which is make help me to make it even easier to understand. Uh, so first, you see the pain of your uh, the pain that's arising in you. For example, there's a cloud here, and then you and then you can see another pain of the uh, suffering. I hate this pain. Okay. Please feel free to let them arise. Welcome them. It's, it's, well, our practice is not, it's not to discourage the suffering that comes. So pain comes as a first arrow, suffering comes as a second arrow. First, first cloud, second cloud. So allow them to come up, but from the boundary of the cloud, see the gap between the two clouds. Because initially you can't see the sky because it's formless. So the way to see the sky is by uh, first is to see the boundary of the clouds. Second is to see the gap between the two boundaries. And third is once the gap merged together, the gap before cloud one, after cloud one, before cloud two, after cloud two, they, because they are formless, they merge together. Just like the formless space of the room here merged with the formless space outside the room, same thing. So, so uh so and eventually you will realize the space so first embrace the cloud uh, the first arrow the cloud of pain and then embrace the cloud of suffering why me why my pain i hate the pain and second step is to see the gap between the two clouds third is to see how the gap merge together and become the sky so uh, so those are the steps because it's very hard to see the sky. So thank you, Anthony, for your clarification to make it easier <laughs> to present it. Thank you. Um, I wanted to yes. speak some to the um, pain and suffering. Yes. Um, I, I've had uh, a lot of pain, joint pain, for probably about a year and a half now. Yes. And it's, you know, went through different, you know, my, my hands, my back, my knees, my foot, yeah. just keeps different different places and um and it when it when it's um well first of all I don't want to have any pain <laughs> I don't want any of it so that's that's I think the beginning of that where it's you know I, I feel the pain and then um I don't want it okay. there's the suffering right there but also I think when it's chronic it's really hard to find the space between um which I uh, that's what I've found it's been hard to find the space between it but um like I had a big flare up of my knee about six months ago, but as it started to ease some, I did start to be able to do some of that, um, recognizing that it's a, you know, looking at the cloud, yes. that's the pain and the larger awareness and my, the rest of my body, yes. <laughs> both, both those things, that it isn't every part of my body, but also the pain isn't there every minute. I may have, and I do have some pain almost every day, Yes, but it isn't there every minute. So, um, so a combination of really having some awareness that I I do have pain and I can't change that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am doing physical therapy and different things to help improve it, but I can't make it go away. So accepting that, that that's part of my experience right now. And then also doing that, you know, not, not identifying that it's okay, I'm I'm not the pain. The pain comes and goes. And that gives me some, you know, sense of relief. And also when I have some pain, I don't I don't feed it so much. <laughs> I'm not spending time. Oh, how awful this pain is! It's just oh, pain, and then I can move on. And it, it, I can see that it's coming, 
there for a bit and then it goes. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, I think that's been helpful to me, even though, like I said, I do pretty much have some pain almost every day. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful mm -hmm. way of expressing it. Yes. So, so um, mention the pain is confined within the uh, time, the time limitation. So some this it's not always there. Is there are some minutes that there's no pain. So from that no pain in the time dimension, she realized that she's more than the pain. And also from the space dimension, the pain maybe the knee, sometimes the hip, sometimes the legs, sometimes uh, the shoulders. But there's also part that has no pain. So the in the midst of the knees, the hand has no pain, or the feet may have no pain or other parts so pain is part of me instead of i'm in the pain pain is in me and she has discovered that and that's how the wisdom uh, her inner wisdoms arise arisen because she has found the space between the two clouds and the space be so the clouds is in the time dimension so the space is beyond the time or the clouds is in the space dimension and the space is beyond the space of the uh, uh, the limitation of space and you can experience that in your body and only from that experience can you help your friend can you help other because you can only give what you have what you have in the head cannot you, you if you don't put it into practice you cannot help but what you give from your body that's the most important because the reactivity occurs at the body level not from the head so you get transfer from the head to the body just like Kathy was mentioning, she doesn't talk about the concept of pain, but she talks about the whole body, how she feels in the pain. And that's uh, uh, now, now she's ready to help others because she could feel the experience in herself. She talks about her own experience. Yeah. Maybe we can sit for one minute before we finish the sit. So our practice is to look at ourselves like the left hand, looking at others like the right hand. Embrace them both using loving kindness and awareness. That's emphasized by Casey, Wendy, and other teachers in this tradition. Loving kindness and awareness help to become something bigger than whatever pain, emotion arise, and from just something bigger this wholeness we have the wisdom to deal with whatever problems arise and that's our practice that's the four noble truths thank you very much for allowing me to share the practice with you and we dedicate this the merit of this practice to the benefits of our being thank you so much You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.